0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Successful Home Ownership Show with your host Richard McKenzie from the greater Cincinnati area with First Inspection Services. And this episode we're going to be talking about selling your home and getting it ready to sell and the the different steps and sort of like a checklist of things that you will want to make sure that you do so that you can have hopefully a successful experience in selling your house and avoid some missteps. So some of these are going to deal with the home inspection itself and getting ready for a a buyer and their inspector and, and hopefully avoiding some things that they might find. But also leading up to selling your house and the different aspects of dealing with the different professions that will be part of that transaction and experience. So let's first take on the non-home inspection related items. First and foremost, houses get sold for different reasons and if you are in that category and you want to sell your house, you will have your own unique set of circumstances that have prompted you and maybe your loved one or loved ones to sell that house. That could be ranging from the houses in an estate and unfortunately maybe you had some parents or parent who died and you may may be one of several siblings and you were elected um, to sell that house and maybe it was because everybody took a step backward and you metaphorically took a step forward and were were the, the hero of the family who's supposed to sell that. Well, there, there are a lot of resources out there to help you be successful. Uh, maybe the house is not an estate or a trust, but rather you just simply outgrew the house because your family expanded. That's a very common reason. Maybe, unfortunately, the house is part of a divorce situation, and I really feel sorry And, and if that is the case. Uh, but, unfortunately, the, the house needs to be sold. And you're going to need the same professions to help you through that. Maybe you are choosing or want to do the DIY version of selling your house. And I'm just going to tell you right now that's going to be a lot more challenging without a real estate professional, which may have the accreditation or certification or licensure of the Realtist category or the Realtor. Or they are simply a real estate agent at this point, in which case... You're still going to be in a better scenario, probably even price wise, if you let them help you through that process. Some of the things that you may or may not think about are how to properly price the house. And that is something that a real estate agent, a good one, is going to be well versed in. It's not just location, it's not just uh, comparable houses in that category, but taking into consideration some things with your house, unique circumstances of conditions of things, a house with the same square footage and same size, same, uh, maybe a lot of the similar things, same price points, but one house has a roof that's 10 years old and the other house has a roof that's 20 years old, those should not be priced the same. Those are things you may or may not think about. Even in, at, at recording this, we're still in a seller's market here, um and that being the case, uh, a lot of times things are as is. Well, still, if you have a 10-year-old roof versus a 20-year-old roof, those still should should be taken into consideration and affect the price of the house. Let's also think about future down the road when you have a buyer. What type of loan are they going to get? Yes, that does affect the sale of your house because The VA loan and the FHA loan are not the same, but they are part of the same category. And they have appraisers, an FHA or VA appraiser, who will be concerned about whether there is exposed lead paint, whether there are cracked window panes, whether there are missing railings, whether there are different safety items with the house. Uh, Even dust and crumbling paint inside old wooden windows Are going to affect the sale of that house and what the appraiser says needs to be done. Uh, The appraisers of those two types of loans also are a lot more involved in inspection related items than are a typical uh, general loan or conventional loan and if a conventional loan Uh, is is what your buyer has coming in. That's going to be a little bit easier to deal with. Then there are the NACA, NACA, uh, Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America type loans, which have very little money down and really, in a lot of of respects, involve the... um, The buyer is sort of like the best person in that transaction to them. Whereas the seller is it almost there's an assumption of the seller's trying to put one over on you, and 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 a lot of the things that are in the the report, uh, they almost want all of them to be fixed by the seller. So if if your buyer comes in and they have a NACA loan, that's going to be a lot more headaches to get through. Plus, there's follow-ups after repairs and and uh, re-inspections and so forth. So. All of those things are things you want to take into consideration. Let's go back again about the real estate agent. In picking out your real estate agent, you should interview a couple or three of them before you sign a contract with one of them. <clears throat> and I would also suggest too that you think about a real estate agent's expertise in your neighborhood versus, oh, I know uh, my cousin Hazel She is a a real good realtor. Well, she lives, you know, 12 miles away. Her neighborhood is different than your neighborhood. Her expertise may not be in your neighborhood. She may not know anything about a house uh, in the age bracket of your house. And maybe she's an expert in 15-year-old, three-bedroom, two-bath houses uh, up in a, a suburban neighborhood. And maybe your house is in uptown and it's built in 1945 and it's a three-bedroom one-bath totally different style totally different buyer and she's never sold a house in that neighborhood well that really does matter because the longer your house sits on the market and if you have to change the price on it or, or if it fails one inspection and has to get reinspected, then that's kind of a stigma on the house, and that changes things. And that really affects your ability, and that's going to cause a large amount of stress. I'll tell you a little story. When my dad died back in 1999, um, my mom lived in the house maybe a year or two after that, and then we sold the house. Well, my mom picked out a realtor who was a friend, and the friend lived across the street. But she was new in this, and my mom wanted to do a favor for her and help her out. But in the long run, it hurt because, one, the person wasn't fully experienced. They were not a, uh, they they had a second job also, which is not necessarily a knock on them. But they hadn't fully gone, they hadn't gone full-time real estate agency by then, which is most of the, most of realtors don't start out full-time. They have to work to they can leave the other position and then do real estate full time if they indeed do that. And while she was very nice and very helpful, uh, she really was not well versed in selling houses or price points or any of that stuff. And it it hurt and it it just took much longer than it needed to. Had we picked out a real estate agent that was well versed, how do you find one who is well-versed in your neighborhood for those types of houses. Well, you look around, drive around, see whose signs you see in that neighborhood. If you see maybe five different real estate agents and one of them has five listings in that neighborhood, that's the person you probably want to definitely interview. Why? Because that person has gotten referrals. Why do they get referrals? Because they have a good reputation, not because they're crappy. And that person's gonna know how to properly price that house based on location and condition. Those are the two big factors. So, that's a little bit of advice on that. And now I wanna switch gears and actually talk about preparing your house to sell. And <clears throat> some of these things that I'm gonna be talking about both inside the house and outside are things that really do suggest that you take take into heart make a checklist of things that you want to do and those things you're not going to want to do and then get them done before you list the house so let's let's go ahead and jump into this list on the outside of the house vegetation against the house is one that is really something you want to consider getting the vegetation off the house away from the house if you have a huge tree that is a foot away from the house and it's a 70 year old tree so obviously your house is older in this re- regard you probably want to take that tree out your the inspectors going to flag that unfortunately when you moved in maybe you didn't have a home inspection or maybe you did maybe the house wasn't as close then um, and it's just cr- encroached on the house Maybe it's one of these 40-foot arborvitae bushes that should have been bonsai'd or kept short its entire life and and kept from growing that tall. I've even gone to houses where they have five or six arborvitaes at the front of the house. They're 40 feet tall and they're hiding half the house. Why do you want to have that against your house? One, wind can hit that, snow can hit it, ice, those trees that can bend in the wind, cause damage to your gutters and roof. They also hide your house. If you think you have a nice looking house, then open it up. Make sure your bushes are well trimmed, if not pruned, to a lower level and you can walk behind your bushes against your house. Bushes against houses or vines growing up them are going to be things that we inspectors flag as possible sources of moisture and wood destroying insects. If you have a bay window at the front and you have bushes up against it, and you have um, masonite or wood siding and trim you're probably going to have some rot there because all that water is sat there and how can you possibly paint something or repaint it if the bushes are touching the house you can't so that means you haven't had any paint for a long time either well that goes hand in hand with with wood rot so i'm sorry if you're hearing this and it's ringing a bell and and you have these situations opening your house up on the outside. Make things visible. Repainting and resealing siding with caulking and proper painting and get the right painter if you're going to repaint your house also. If the painter just paints over stuff that's going to be a crappy job. That's not a good painter. A good painter is going to make sure your nail heads are sunken and and not exposed. He's going to make sure that you your your windows are well caulked, that the trim is well caulked and he's gonna do some pressure light pressure washing and maybe some sanding before he does that stuff preparation is very important otherwise the paint will just peel off even before your house sells because it'll be a crappy painting job so that is very important alright so we've talked about vegetation let's talk about gutters and 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 drainage If you smell any musty smell in your basement, then you want to open things up, open the doors up, let air ventilate. But some of that may be because on the outside you have elevated moisture because the grading of your land as it meets the house, water is flowing towards your house even in the last foot, 18 inches, up to 3 feet or 4 feet away and your gutter downspouts are not extended. We are definitely, as inspectors, going to flag those things. If you want to immediately get on an inspector's good side, in other words, bias him towards your favor uh, while he's on the outside of the the house doing the inspection, which, by the way, is going to be early on in the inspection because we like to do the outside first. At least everybody I know does. And so while on the outside, he's going to be seeing how you're handling drainage, how you're handling water. That's very important. So extend your downspouts. Put on seven and a half feet, which is cutting one of those 15-foot 4-inch black plastic solid tubes in half and sticking those on the end of your gutters so they shoot water way away from your foundation. That's something you want to do. That's cheap. That's a good thing. Look under your deck in the back. This is a huge area that people totally ignore. And a lot of times it is an area of negative grading or washout over the years where all that soil has washed out and you have a real uh, possibility of having a cracked foundation if you allow the water to keep flowing towards the back of your house, keeping the soil wet, which expands and pushes, causes hydrostatic pressure on the back side of your house. So you're setting yourself up for a future horizontal crack on the back foundation wall definitely don't want that okay so still on the outside and I've pulled a thread there and I'm now I've approached the deck the deck okay pressure washing resealing it with a stain or a paint stain or a wood preservative Um, Bear makes a real good common paint stain it's literally called paint stain Lasts maybe seven to ten years it's a good product But you have to prepare your deck, meaning a light pressure wash or sanding, to allow it to receive that paint stain so it'll create a nice seal. If you have some rotted boards, well, first of all, walk around your deck after you've pressure washed it. If you have some boards that are somewhat suspect, split, uh, wiggly, loose on the steps, you're not going to hide those from the inspector. We're going to walk around, too. We're going to see that we have some issues. So as we continue to walk around the deck, before you have the buyer looking at the deck, you need to walk around your deck. While you're pressure washing it, while you're painting it, or even before that, again, look for things that give you pause. If you think it is a little questionable to you, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb to an inspector. For example, if you see little tiny, tiny, almost uh, the size of match heads, uh, toadstools sticking out of one piece of the wood, that means it's rotten, that's fungus growing out. And painting over that is not going to make it go away, nor is it going to be hidden from the inspector. Uh, When we see things like that, it gives us rise to think that there's more of them. So we're going to be more focused on finding more boards, not fewer of them. So also when you think about getting the house ready to sell think about the old adage pay now or pay later. You can either take care of some of these things before you put the house on the market or you can and and take your time and do it right and have less stress or be under more stress and probably pay more cuz you're going to be in a hurried up situation with not much room to spare as far as time after the inspector's gone through and I'm gonna put a little plug-in for um, a little bit of idea of doing a pre-listing inspection if you don't feel confident about finding all these things yourself then consider doing a pre-listing inspection which is gonna cost you somewhere around 450-500 dollars from an inspector to go through and do that inspection of your house and that four to f- four fifty to five hundred dollars is typically for a house that's like less than three thousand square feet. I mean, the price does go up the larger the house because it's based on the amount of work that we work and time that we put into it. So there, I've said that. If that's not for you, then at least be very try to be thorough about your house and level-headed. Whenever you see rot, trim on the outside or decks or siding. Painting over those things is not going to make them go away, and it's not going to... You're basically kicking the can down the road. <clears throat> At some point, somebody's going to flag it, you're going to need it fixed, and it's going to cost you more in the future. Um, so when I started talking about the deck, it was because I was talking about grading in the back behind the deck, or under the deck, so I'm going to continue on that, that, that theme. And so... Negative grading can be solved by adding topsoil, not the topsoil that you buy in bags that is for your garden. That stuff will wash away and it will not stick to the other topsoil in your yard. Whatever type of topsoil you have in your part of the country, you need to talk to a landscaping company that delivers topsoil so that you buy topsoil just like yours because your topsoil is only going to stick to your topsoil. So you need topsoil exactly like yours so it adheres well, packs in well, and you can regrade it sloping away from your house. Um, if you have big areas of puddling and, and, and watery tension in your yard, consider filling some of those spots in and leveling them Also, they can be a little contentious. Also on the outside, if you know you have dead trees that are within striking distance of the house and you know they're dead, it's probably best to have them taken out now rather than wait for the home inspector to flag them because he is going to flag them definitely and those are going to become a a point of negotiation also but I didn't think trees had anything to do with the home inspection yeah they do same kind of thing if we see a a port a fill port for a a oil uh, tank that was originally for your house for oil heating and then maybe they the municipality or the power company tapped in natural gas and you have that now that oil tank may be underground that oil tank may still be in your basement we know because we see the fill port and we smell the smell in the basement our noses are very well attuned to uh, figuring those things out unless the inspectors only been on the job for a week then then maybe not but that being said, you want to check with your municipality, your county, or whatever codes on what to do with a buried oil tank or a tank that is in your basement. There's going to be some things you can do to remediate that, and maybe have it taken out or maybe have it made safe, depending on what is the procedure to do that. So those types of things you want to take in consideration also. Um, more things outside, concrete items it's just the driveway. Well, the driveway is not supposed to drop three inches where it enters the garage, and those slabs have dropped so much that you can't even drive a car, or it's troublesome to get the car in the garage because of it. Well, then maybe consider slab jacking or concrete pumping to solve that. It's, I can't say it's cheap, but it's not an extraordinary expense like replacing the driveway. It's somewhere in between. Same thing where the, where the Uh, the uh, walkway or sidewalk meets the front steps that enter onto the porch. Those drop quite a bit too, and sometimes they drop so much that you see the rusted pieces of rebar sticking out of one piece of it, and it's pulled away, the porch is pulled away, and so forth. Concrete pumping or slab jacking in combination with some concrete repair would probably be a good scenario for that. And those are things that we're definitely going to flag at the inspection. Um, Air conditioners outside, and I'm just going to throw in their furnaces too. If you know your furnace and ACs are old, or one of them is old, maybe the other is not, then consider a proper warranty for these things or replace them because they're going to be a bone of contention with the house. Or maybe you're going to be one of these people that you know it's old, you've gotten a quote already, and you're waiting to see if the home inspector catches it, or if the or if the buyer considers it a problem. Uh, same thing with the roof, and maybe you're holding that as a as a uh, negotiating item, and you have that quote in place for a new roof, or for a new air conditioner, or for a new furnace, and if the home home inspector doesn't bring it up or if the buyer doesn't even have the home inspection then you're going to get away great and you don't have to pay for those things. I understand how all this works. We've been doing this a long time. The big four, the big four big things which are the AC, the furnace, the roof and the structure which is to say your foundation do become the largest points of negotiation and the largest things and the things that tend to make a deal not go through because some party before the home inspection didn't realize that one of these big four was going to uh, come into play. It's not the home inspection that destroys the deal. No, we're just doing our job to look out for the buyer with a fiduciary duty. Or if a seller hires us to do a pre listing inspection, then we're looking out for the seller in that regard in, in a fiduciary uh, position. So, hopefully you've gotten a good number of things so far as far as the outside and I've tied in a few of the inside things as well so let's see garage floors tend to settle also that falls in the same category as does the uh, driveway and then also sometimes if you have one of these tuck under garages the left wall or the right wall depending on where the garage is but the garage is generally on the left side looking at the front of the house so that left wall a lot of times takes a lot of hydrostatic pressure because it's a bare uh, naked wall that just faces the outside and that outside yard takes water from your neighbor up above it and sits against that foundation wall and I don't know how many times we've seen a horizontal crack on that left garage wall. So, and I'm going to talk about this and tie in basements also as one of your big four. Structural issues. If you have a house where you bought the house and the previous owner had a horizontal crack repaired and you were told by the sellers, it hasn't changed in 20 years. It's been like that. And you just went, okay, that's fine. I take the word for it. And then you go to sell the house now and you say the same thing those words may not work enough with a buyer because a buyer nowadays are extraordinarily savvy they watch a lot of home inspection home buying shows on hgtv discovery network etc and they are very well versed and there's so much stuff on the internet to educate them And unfortunately, I will say, miseducate them sometimes. But as far as those horizontal cracks and foundation repairs, if there is no transferable warranty, and even if there is a transferable warranty, the company may not exist anymore. So there really isn't one at that point. Or if there is no transferable warranty, then we have to put in the report These following words suggest further evaluation when, prior to closing, by who? By a licensed structural engineer. With what? With repairs and or replacements as needed. Wham! Oh, that's a tough one to deal with. Because if you, uh, as a buyer, if they see that there has been a repair made on the wall, but there's no transferable warranty, they have no leg to stand on. They're not going to take, oh, it hadn't changed in 20 years. Well, that's nonsensical. I wouldn't buy a house that has had structural repairs and I'm supposed to take somebody's word that it hasn't changed in 20 years. Even if it hasn't, what, what's going to happen to me when I go to sell that house in the future? I have nothing to stand on. You want to have that licensed structural engineer further evaluate that because that may have changed, one. Number two, the repair may not have been done correctly. Okay, so again, we're looking out for you and we have to do that because we have a fiduciary duty to you. So I'm starting to think, have I exhausted the outside items and the garage? Um, Garage doors, one point of uh, item, two points, actually. Number one, the door going from the garage to the house is supposed to be a fire rated door. If somebody's replaced that with an interior door, a six-panel door that's hollow core, that's not fire rated. Fire rated means you've got like 30 minutes or 20 minutes, I don't remember what the number is, of it being on fire before it burns through. So the theory is if there's a fire in your garage, you want to be able to get everybody out of the house safely without that fire penetrating through that door and spreading into the house. If there's a car fire or a lawnmower fire or something like that. So that door does need to be a fire-rated door. Number two, the garage door opener, if you have one, should have the self-reversing mechanisms, the sensors, motion detectors, okay, motion sensors on the, on the sides, and if it encounters pressure, it should self-reverse and go back up. Some of the older genie doors or overhead door, company ones, craftsmen's, Some of these worked so well and were built so well, they were made before these standards were required. Unfortunately, that's probably going to be a point of negotiation. And is that one you want to wait till the inspector finds it Um, with a buyer? Maybe possibly, maybe, you know, one little negotiating point you hold in your back pocket, who knows? But the point is, any inspector is going to flag that during a pre-listing inspection, and definitely during a buyer's inspection after the house has a contract on it. So hopefully that makes sense to you. Let's scoot into um, the house. Now, um, in the garage, if you do have an attic there, and if you're doing an inspection, uh, you want to make sure you go in your attic before the inspector looks in there. Know what's in your attic, um, what types of uh, stuff in there that could possibly cause issues during an inspection. Okay, so. Also, make it easy to get in your attic to help the inspector in the future. Don't have a car parked under the attic during the inspection. That will create delays, okay? As Thomas Train used to say, causing confusion and delay. All right, inside the house. Finally, inside the house. Windows. If your windows are older, uh, check your windows. Open and close them if you have paint seals blocking your ability to open them then do something to break the paint seals so the inspector can operate the windows Uh, if you need to put a little bit of silicone spray on the tracks on the left side and right side to help you operate those windows then do that if some of the sashes you know don't stay up then for goodness sakes or drop from the top sash down and slam down You don't want the inspector to break your windows, which he's not breaking them. He's just testing them. And if the sash drops and he didn't know about it and it breaks, that's not his fault. That's the fault of the person who knew the window was like that and didn't get it fixed and hoped that the inspector wouldn't find it. So keep that in mind. Um, So check your windows out. Make sure you have no broken glass, especially if you have an FHA or VA Lone person buying your house that's going to be part of the inspection that could hold up the sale of the house if that glass is still cracked okay so that does need to be fixed um, let's see shower heads make sure they don't leak make sure they really work make sure your bathroom spigots can in your tubs divert to the shower we've seen some in some houses where they haven't run the tub for so long that the crystal deposits inside the shower diverter have just caused it to stay in diversion mode. So all it does is operate the shower. So make sure your, your tub is well caulked, you don't have mildew all around it. There's nothing more of a turnoff than, than people's hair and mildew in a shower. And especially if you're selling a multifamily house, make sure your tenants and stuff, make sure you have somebody who can make your showers look nice again before you sell the house. Um, outlets at the kitchen countertops and bathrooms need to be GFCI'd. Okay? Now, if they are ungrounded, that's even a little scarier problem because you've had tenants or you've had a house with ungrounded outlets near a water source, that definitely needs to be fixed and turn those into GFCIs. They can trip off of the neutral so they don't have to trip off of a, uh, an inspector's uh, tester, which tests off of the ground wire because there's no ground wire at the bathroom uh, GFCI if it is, has been converted from a ungrounded two prong outlet. Ho- hopefully that makes sense. Um, but get your bathrooms and kitchens ready to sell make sure your your kitchen make sure your appliances work uh, unless you're just going to replace the stove you know as part of the 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 inspection or a buying of the house who knows Um, refrigerators make sure your water lines work correctly Um, just make sure your kitchens in decent condition to be able to sell the house if you know about issues then get them fixed now before it sells that's the best time to do it if you can definitely do that Um, stains on ceilings oh that was a former leak when the bathroom was renovated and we just never got around to painting it well take the doubt out of the inspector and buyers mind kills paints, or excuse me stain block and then repaint the ceiling if you know that that is no longer in existence that that former leak if not, we're going to be testing with our moisture meter and putting those pictures in the report. We'll say it was dry at the time of the inspection, but you have put doubt into the buyer's mind, all because you didn't get around to painting the ceiling. Same thing for stains on garage ceilings. Okay, so You want to make sure you don't have any moisture stains on, on ceilings. Second floor with the roof right above you, that's going to put a whole lot of doubt into a buyer's mind and you don't want to introduce that doubt. You want confidence for your buyer. Um, Let's see looking through a list of things that I want to cover here Um, basements or excuse me attics okay make sure again in your second floor or first floor attic that you don't have some stuff in the attic that's going to give points of contention. Um, The amount of insulation that's all. If your house is 1950 and you have two to four inches, and you've always had two to four inches up there, eh, that's going to be an upgrade for your client. Okay, that's something they're going to probably upgrade in the future on their own with their own money. Now, if it's vermiculite, which is the shiny gold-colored cat litter in an attic, that was um, uh, basically is a carcinogen. Um, that's going to need to be encapsulated and made safe, which is not cheap. And that's going to need to be mitigated before you have your house sold because that's going to be a real showstopper and possibly ruin the deal if you don't take care of that. That would be in houses maybe from about 1960 to 70, somewhere in there, when when that insulation was used. Not a whole lot, but it, it definitely was used. Okay, let's talk about the basement. That's where a lot of stuff takes place. If you have a basement that's unfinished and you got cobwebs and stuff everywhere, pay somebody to clean your basement or just clean it yourself. A real thorough basement cleaning so it doesn't appear to be a creepy crawly for a future buyer. Okay, furnace, we've talked about that. Having serviced AC and furnace before you sell the house is really important. Get things fixed, get them repaired. In worst case, have them replaced, depending on the condition. But know the condition before you sell the house so it's not one of these emergency situations for you when a buyer comes through with their inspector. And believe me, they're going to be very thorough on that. (coughs) Excuse me, that includes boilers too. Make sure your furnace person is well versed with boilers and also if you do have a boiler system it's probably going to be circulating boiler not a, not a steam boiler you're going to want to make sure that none of your radiators leak if you have any leaks get them fixed beforehand if you have any unperforming or underperforming radiators maybe there's a clog inside there maybe somehow the radiator is not level anymore we've had various reasons that these things don't work well get that done Um, basements um, aluminum branch wiring you're you're not going to know if you have that if your house is in the late 60s or or 70s until the inspector comes through probably but there are ways of fixing that that's going to be expensive just know that that's the case Um, it would probably be good before you sell your house if you knew whether you had aluminum branch wiring or not which would be where I would recommend you having either a pre-listing inspection Or have a licensed electrician check out your electrical panel before the inspection to eliminate any double-tapped breakers. uh, If it's a Federal Pacific stab lock, which was recalled, it'll say Federal Pacific on the front of it. F P E Fred. uh, um, So F P E F is in Frank, P is in Peter, E is in Echo. You want to make sure that that is not your uh, main electrical panel. Um, Knob and tube wiring. Have a licensed electrician check that out. And if you have some in the attic, that's probably at least at minimum place to have it taken out. Because if your attic has knob and tube wiring in it, then you probably have two to four inches or less insulation. So they're not going to be able to upgrade the insulation until the knob and tube wiring is gone because it was air-cooled. And you can't pile stuff on top of air-cooled wiring because that will cause it to overheat. So that will, at minimum, need to be removed. Plus, you want the electrician to check out your junction boxes throughout the house, mostly in the basement, to make sure that those are junctioned correctly with the knob and tube wiring. And then maybe upgrading some of the outlets to uh, GFCIs, possibly, or grounding etc maybe replacing some of it with Romex wiring. Those things can be expensive so I'm just giving you a heads up that if you have an older house that has knob and tube wiring it's never really cheap to do any upgrades it just is so I do apologize for that but it comes with the territory of owning an older house. Um, The inspector is going to come through and do a termite inspection so with a older house like you know 80 years old or more or even 70 it's not uncommon to have some termite damage that maybe you don't know about so be prepared and not be shocked if you have some termite damage so other things in the basement galvanized steel water piping that really does need to be replaced if you have that that would be silver colored water distribution line if you have the water main and you have a house that's like before 1920 you might have a lead water supply line if you do just earmark about three thousand dollars to replace that I'm sorry to tell you that but um, most municipalities now do require if you have one to have it replaced why well lead and water mixed and drinking that are not a good combination And even though it's been there forever and there's probably some uh, crystal deposits or mineral deposits coating the inside of that line, there are now different groups with EPA and otherwise in other cities like Flint, Michigan, who've unfortunately done dumb stuff and flushed chemicals through them that have caused descaling, and then you're back to the bare lead uh, to drink off of, and you don't want to do that so that is important um, as I've talked about horizontal cracks or other cracks that have fixed <clears throat> the different ones that are not horizontal some of them can be fixed with epoxy and if you deal with the water outside your house with the gutter extensions and grating hopefully you can uh, fix a crack that uh, could be a leak and make sure that that's good Having your basement drains and sewer lines, if you have an older house, snaked out and verified. That would cost you about 350 bucks, but might be something to help um, make a buyer be more confident in your house if you have had that verified before you sell the house. Because uh, a lot of times, especially if there are larger trees in the yard, in the front or backyard, which is uh, in line with the flow of the, of the sewer line, Sewer lines back then may have been clay. Clay is easy to penetrate by tree roots over time, and that can really clog things up. So having that verified by a licensed plumber might be a good thing to do. Uh, Talking about mold in basements, well, ventilation, poor ventilation, that is, combined with moist conditions and dust are a combination for mold, leakage, seepage, etc., Cleaning out your basement real well and cleaning any areas that that have suspect mold growing on them and ventilating and then cutting off the source of moisture go a long way to making you have a happy buyer with your house. Also, when we have different repairs of houses structurally, some people install those screw posts, jack posts are called. Most people put them in upside down, I kid you not and that is wrong so that's going to be a bone of contention with the inspector as well if you have any temporary or additional posts that have been installed in your house you want to make sure that those are installed correctly have a qualified contractor or licensed structural engineer and by the way a structural engineer is going to cost you about 500 bucks to have stuff evaluated at your house somewhere between 450 and 500 dollars is the normal going rate at least in the greater Cincinnati area uh, but you want to make sure those are installed correctly sometimes you have some real DIY things in houses and you have the previous owner say oh, it hadn't changed in 10 years okay well that's well and good but I don't have a leg to stand on um, as far as when I sell the house so you want to have those things checked out termite damage on beams and joists tends to lead to needs for such additional posts and wood members beams additional repairs and the way that they're installed sometimes is is very diy and and not proper so that's real important too water heater if it's ancient just replace it 40 gallon installed is probably going to cost you 750 a uh, a 50 gallon installed is probably about 950 installed um, if, if you have ancient ones, maybe you want to wait to see if that's noticed by the inspector. I understand um, you can't fix everything or you'll go broke selling your house. So you have to prioritize things. So I'm thinking off the top of my head if there's anything else. Remember broken glass, cracked glass, missing railings. These are things that affect the FHA and VA loans for sure. Make sure everything works in your house. That's just a general rule of thumb. Test everything out. Um, appliances, plumbing fixtures, etc. If you're in one of these houses that you are, you know it's a couple that have reached their, their late 60s and they want to move, the house is getting a little too cumbersome to take care of. Uh, but and they only use one bathroom and the other bathrooms just sit and they're used once a year when f- people come to visit then for goodness sakes test everything out before you sell the house we've had things where fixtures just leaked and and nobody really knew it because it just sat there when plumbing isn't used it doesn't get better it actually gets worse so I really hope that this has been beneficial to you oh oh, before I leave with this Having the carpet cleaned is great. Repainted walls is great. Those things add a new house smell to the house. We inspectors like that a lot better than encountering all of those oil burning, oil cooking things that sit in outlets because we have to pull those things out and test outlets. So those things that have hot wax in them for fragrance and perfumes and the oil that's cooking in those those things in outlets, I just ask and beg of you, please don't have those in the house when we're inspecting it. I don't know how many times I've spilled those on my hand, put them down. Sometimes they tip over. They are just a royal pain in the butt. They smell good. I don't know. Some people, they give you a headache because it's such an overpowering smell. So I'm just saying, uh, if you can eliminate those before you sell the house, please do. We would greatly appreciate it. Um, So anyway... Thank you very much for listening. This has been Richard McKenzie with First Inspection Services with another episode of the Successful Home Ownership Show. If you have any other questions, like you have something, is this going to be a problem in selling my house? Shoot us an email. It's richard at firstinspections.com. That's spelled with the number one ST at the beginning, and inspections is plural. And until the next episode, we thank you for listening.